welcome to this MLEX podcast. I'm Laurel Henning, Senior Correspondent based in Sydney, Australia. And today we're looking at a recent increase in court action here in Australia over cartel conduct, both in criminal and civil cases. Just in the last fortnight, the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, or ACCC, added two more cases to its hit list. One against Norwegian shipping line Wallenius Wilhelmsen Ocean, or WWO, and a second against an Australian company, Blue Scope Steel. The first one of those was a criminal prosecution, the second a civil matter, at least for now. I've been following the recent developments with my colleague James Paniki, MLEX's Australasian managing editor, who joins me now from Melbourne. Hello, James. Hello, Laurel. We'll talk about WWO in just a moment, but first, Blue Scope, an Australian steel company and its former manager of general sales and marketing, Jason Ellis, are facing civil proceedings over allegations of price fixing for flat steel products. James, what do we need to know? Okay, look, there's, there's, uh, we need to know that there's been a flurry of activity on the part of the ACCC in recent, over the recent year or so, particularly in the case of uh, criminal cartel prosecutions. Um, and there's been a flurry of activity, needless to say, on the part of Australia's federal prosecutor, which is responsible for bringing this kind of court action. In the case of uh, the, the case of Blue Scope um, is really just the latest. We covered this late last week, and it is, as you mentioned, a civil case, not a criminal prosecution. But it's also a bit of an unusual case. Now, the allegations are that the company had attempted to induce various steel distributors in Australia, as well as foreign mon- foreign manufacturers, uh, to enter into what the ACCC has very Uh, carefully described as agreements containing a price-fixing provision for flat steel products. So in other words, the allegation isn't that the company had successfully established a cartel, but that it had made attempts to do so. Yes, that's right. And uh, and the, the company made that point very clearly in its uh, communication to the Australian uh, Securities Exchange. It said, look, we, there was never a cartel. Um, they, they obviously don't want to concede that there was ever a cartel, but the allegations is that they attempted to induce um, different parties into joining a cartel. Now, this is a, a big company. It's a big name in Australia, a very big name to, to, to be caught up in an antitrust uh, lawsuit. Uh, and it will have its first day in court on the first day of November this year. But despite it not being a criminal case, it's still an unusual one. Yeah, that, well, that's right. So what makes it unusual is the involvement of the Commonwealth Director of Public Prosecutions, which is Australia's federal prosecutor. We know that uh, the CDPP was involved because the ACCC has told us as much. Uh, it has also said that the CDPP was continuing to investigate the case, which could suggest that uh, criminal charges haven't been ruled out. Um, the, the ACCC explained the timing of this lawsuit in terms of the statute of limitations. So the alleged conduct occurred between 2013 and 2014. So the clock was ticking. It may well be that the ACCC decided to go down the civil path rather than the uh, criminal path, but it's still reasonably safe uh, to assume that the ACCC uh, would get the CDPP involved only if it had been considering criminal charges under Australia's um, 2009 criminal cartel laws. And if the Blue Scope matter were to become a criminal lawsuit, that would leave Jason Ellis, the former sales manager that we uh, just mentioned, and who is at the heart of the case, facing the prospect of a jail sentence of up to 10 years and possible fines of up to 420,000 Australian dollars, which is just over 280,000 US. 
Yes, and let's, uh, I mean, let, let's talk about criminal prosecutions in that case, because uh, this is uh, where the most movement has been in recent years. I was speaking to a lawyer the other day who compared the ACCC's criminal prosecutions to a large factory. Um, it's a factory that has taken a long time for all of the different parts of the assembly line to work as they should. It was obviously not everything was working perfectly at first, but now it's fired up. All of the parts are moving as uh, they should. And so we've uh, reached a stage in which there will be a number of criminal prosecutions emerging over uh, coming uh, years and coming months. One of the criminal prosecutions you've been following, uh, Laurel, has uh, prompted you to head up to Canberra on a couple of occasions. What's going on there? Yeah, up for you, down for me. I took a little road trip to the nation's capital just a couple of weeks ago uh, to report on the latest in the criminal cartel proceedings against Australia's top construction and mining union, the Construction Forestry Maritime Mining Energy Union, or CFMMEU, bit of a mouthful. The CFMMEU, as well as a union official, so similar as what, again, we've got an individual plus the organisation itself, the union official in question here is Jason O'Mara, and they are both facing the company and the individual there charges over alleged attempts between 2012 and 2013 to induce steel fixing and scaffolding suppliers into illegal agreements. The case is at a very early stage, with hearings taking place in the Magistrates Court in Canberra and will next return to the courtroom in April 2020. In the meantime, lawyers for both sides, the prosecution and the accused, will uh, work together away from the courtroom and to iron out their differences over applications to cross-examine witnesses in the case. Uh, lawyers, a couple of weeks ago in Canberra uh, for, for CFMMEU, are applying to cross-examine 22 witnesses in this case. Yes, and I, I mean, the, the, the cross-examination of the witnesses is often the most fascinating part of this process. Um, I mean, we, we should clarify that because these prosecutions are criminal, so they first have to go through a a local court and they then usually refer to the federal court although they can also go directly to the federal court uh, but I mean it's clearly federal legislation more often than not these agreements go beyond state borders so it is a matter for the federal court because it is essentially a federal matter but it's often uh, the first time that these lower state-based courts have dealt with uh, competition matters uh, and it's often the first time that criminal lawyers in Australia have been called in to deal uh, with these kind of uh, issues. Many of them don't necessarily have a competition background or competition expertise, but have a very good nose for how a court will treat criminal prosecutions. One of the cases in Melbourne that um, I followed, which is now before the federal court, which is the country care matter, which we've talked about several times before, which is a small rural company that sells aids for the disabled and the elderly. Uh, the cross-examination in the lower court, which is the um, which was the Melbourne Magistrates Court, was uh, really, really interesting because clearly the defence lawyers were attempting to keep their powder dry uh, for the federal court. Um, so they asked the witnesses the most basic of questions as a particular formula that they just wanted to get on the record, and then they dismissed them. So they, they were going through witnesses, you know, they were giving the witness maybe three minutes on the stand and then asking them to, to leave. So the, the court's tactics in how witnesses are dealt with 
are likely to be um, fascinating and definitely something for both of us to watch in uh, all of the cases that are unfolding at the moment. But another case that is slightly more advanced is the criminal cartel case involving uh, some top-level banks. Tell me about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, So the headline-grabbing criminal lawsuit against banks ANZ, Deutsche Bank and Citigroup will have another case management hearing in the Magistrates Court in Sydney this week, tomorrow in fact. Um, Despite having had um, far more case management hearings uh, than the CFMMEU matter, um, this matter is only slightly further along in the process with disputes regarding witnesses still ongoing. Um, The federal prosecutor had until August the 6th Uh, to file a submission to the local court explaining its reasons for rejecting the banks and their former clients' request to cross-examine witnesses ahead of further hearings scheduled for later this month on arguments over reasons on both sides, reasons why um, the accused wanted to cross-examine witnesses and the prosecutor's reasons for um, rejecting those those applications. Um, So what we're expecting from this case management hearing is whether the explanations have all been filed before the court on time or if the prosecution's position perhaps has changed if the parties are ready to dispute their applications in the hearings at the end of the month. Um, But further delays could follow. This case keeps getting pushed back and the judge really seems at her wit's end over when and how she'll get this matter out of her courtroom and into the federal court. Yes, and look, in in just a couple of words, just remind me and remind the listeners what this case is about. Sure. So it centres on a 2015 institutional share placement involving ANZ. Um, So ANZ was just trying to raise some money. Uh, The share placement saw ANZ engage Citigroup and Deutsche Bank as underwriters for the capital raising exercise. ANZ issued 80 million shares worth 2.5 billion Australian, so about, uh, well, just under 1.7 billion US dollars today. Um, And according to the limited information provided by Australia's federal prosecutor and the banks involved, the lenders are alleged to have reached a secret understanding to withhold some of the shares um, that were meant to be issued, uh, partly because or because uh, there was sort of weak market interest in the offering. So um, six banking executives are facing charges in this case as well as the banks. Um, And those individuals are Rick Muscati, a former ANZ Group treasurer, former Citigroup managers John McLean and Ite Tuchman and and Stephen Roberts, and former Deutsche Bank managers Michael Ormachair and Michael Richardson. So James, where does this leave us with outstanding criminal cartel prosecutions? Uh, Well, so we've got the country care issue, which I've mentioned, that's now been pushed into February next year. Year, although I think there's a, there's a case management hearing coming up um, in coming weeks. Uh, again, um, another important difference here is that these cases, as I mentioned in passing before, require a jury. So it actually is quite a complex issue to organise because a jury needs to be empanelled and that actually takes uh, quite a while. They're obviously criminal matters and, and the dynamic will be quite different compared to the to the usual uh, civil competition law uh, lawsuits that we're used to uh, following. There's the case of Vina, a Vietnamese-Australian foreign exchange company, which is called indeed Vina Money Transfer. Uh, Now, the allegations there are that the company fixed the rate of exchange with the Vietnamese dong with other money exchange companies in, uh, from memory, Melbourne and in Adelaide, which are two other cities in Australia. Uh, the interesting side of that, uh, which isn't part of the prosecution, but uh, it was nonetheless fascinating, was a suggestion by the Australian Federal Police that the cartel, well, the alleged cartel, was orchestrated by Sacom Bank, which is a bank in Vietnam. So that that's not going to necessarily affect 
the, the, the case. We don't think it will, at least, but it's still an interesting piece of background. And the case is still stuck in the Melbourne Magistrates Court. The next hearing is scheduled for October the 7th. But um, what else haven't we mentioned? We haven't mentioned the two other big criminal cartel cases that have been prosecuted in Australia, successfully prosecuted. Uh, They were slightly unusual because they involved two Japanese shipping companies and no individuals were charged. So this was a a bit different in terms of the dynamics from the ones that um, we've been following recently. And these two cases are important for what they tell us about the WWO case that you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast as well. Yeah, in 2017, shipping line Nippon Yusin Kabushiki Kaisha, or NYK, was hit with a $19.4 million fine. And in April 2018, shipping line Kawasaki Kisan Kaisha, better known as K-Line, pleaded guilty to charges related to the same cartel. Um, The cartel is alleged to have operated from at least February 1997 and affected the transportation of motor vehicles to Australia between 2009 and 2012. And that uh, does indeed bring us to last week's WWO case. You were in the federal court in Sydney. Uh, You saw all of the drama unfold. uh, How dramatic was it? Uh, Or lack thereof. (laughs) It was very short. So last week I heard in court, I mean the hearing was maybe 10 minutes, but the WWO is expected to file a guilty plea in this case. Uh, WWO wouldn't be the first company to do that as um, both Japanese shipping lines that um, we've already just mentioned there who went through Sydney's federal courts pled guilty and saw their penalties reduced as a result. Uh, K-Line was told if it had made the plea earlier uh, it could have faced an even lower fine than the uh, 34.5 million Australian dollar penalty that it faced. So we're expecting a guilty plea from WWO and the company is set to be sentenced on December 13th. So just getting in under the line there ahead of the end of the year. Okay, so we have our work cut out for us um, over the next couple of years. That's assuming that we're still alive in a couple of years' time. We should also remind our listeners that New Zealand has also just passed uh, criminal cartel laws. We've got a um, we've got a case file dealing with this, uh, with that uh, passage of, of legislation, although it will indeed take a few years for that to be up and running. But nonetheless, uh, down on, on this side of the world, there's obviously plenty going on at the moment when it comes to criminal cartels. That is right. But for today, that's all we've got time for. You can read James's wrap of Australian criminal cartel lawsuits via the MLEX website or wherever you found this podcast today. Please take a moment to rate and subscribe to the podcast. It helps other people find us. James, thanks for speaking with me today. An absolute pleasure. Thank you, Laurel. So from James Paniki in Melbourne and me, Laurel Henning in Sydney, thanks for joining us and see you next time.